Amen. Thanks so much, Rich. I tell you what, this last week I discovered this new stuff you can clean your glasses with so that they don't fog up when you've got a mask on, just so you know, it's out there. It's a cluster. Now, if somebody can invent a mask that doesn't get hooked on your glasses and your microphone when you try to take it off, I would be so grateful. So if those inventors out there, please get working on that. I'm so glad I can get to preach this morning. I've been excited about this sermon for a long time. I'm going to start where preachers shouldn't start. I'm going to start with myself. I'm just going to start with myself right up front. When people ask you where I come from, what do you tell them? I mean, maybe people never ask you, and that's fine, but, but when people ask you where I come from, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not broken and alone, I don't know where that slide suddenly came from, <laughs> but when they ask you where does John come from, what do you say? I know some people say East London because that's where I lived before I lived here. But just so that you know, I've also lived in Johannesburg, I've lived in Port Elizabeth. I've lived in Leidenburg. I've lived in Vereniging. I was born in Pantown. Well, I was born in Marion Hill. We lived in Cato Ridge. I've lived in Hootspreit. I've lived in Kwekwe in Zimbabwe. I've lived in a little town called Flanagan, Illinois, population 963. That's where I come from. All of those places. And every single one of those places deeply influences who I am as a person. Every single one of those places does something to me because I lived there and, and determines not only who I am as a person but where I'm going to go in the future. That's the truth about who I am. And so it's really important for us to know where we come from because we, yeah, the slides are going to be playing with us. For some reason, they changed between last service and the service, just so you know. They're working on it at the back, guys. I know they're working on it at the back. But, but it, it's always influenced us. I mean, the fact that I lived in, in, in East London means I know that the second best milkshakes in the world come from Friesland Milk Bar. Now, that caused quite a lot of controversy in the first service. I've been, been threatened with a lawsuit since then. But they are the second best. The best ones come from the windmill, which is just down the road, just so that you know. I know, because I come from Johannesburg, what real traffic is about. Not this light stuff you have occasionally between here and Amslanga. I know what real traffic is about. Because I come from Leidenburg, ek kan Afrikaans bewoordelik praat. Because I come from Vereniging, I know what the one, two, three of an accident is in Vereniging. Do you? One liter of Coke, two liters of brandy, and three liters of Ford. Because I come from PE, um, there's a lawsuit pending on that one too. Because I come from PE, I know what real wind is about. I've stood in the lounge of a house where the windows are bowed like that because of the wind, and water's coming in through the joints. Uh, you see, who I am and where I've been profoundly affects who I am. And just so that you know, so that I can clear up the confusion, I have lived in 25 different homes in my life, and I've lived in 13 different towns. So I come from a lot of places. 
But I discovered when I was ordained in this church, which was 12 years ago, on the stage, where I really come from. Where I really, really come from. And it was Brian Price, who at that stage was part of the crew that was welcoming on behalf of the young people. (laughs) And he came up, and honestly, I don't remember a lot of that day, but I remember him praying. And one of the things he said in his prayer, we love you because you come from God. And I thought, wow. I come from God. And you see, wherever else I've been, however else I've lived, that is the basic core place that I come from. And the beautiful thing is, it's not only because I'm the pastor here and I'm ordained that that's true. The beautiful thing is that is true of every single human being in the whole world. No matter which countries we've lived in, no matter whether our, our parents that gave birth to us planned us or not, no matter whether we've lived well or we've struggled, no matter what, anything has happened between the moment we were born and now, every single one of us was first conceived in the mind of God and then sent into the world for his wonderful purposes. You see, I really come from God, and so do you. Now, the beautiful thing about that is that that doesn't only apply to human beings. That truth doesn't only apply to human beings. You see, it it applies to us as a church as well. Where do we Home ground church, Westville Baptist Church, where do we really come from? Do we come from the BP over the road, which we celebrated recently? The fact that 20 years ago we did that? Or do, do we come from the, the Monroe's Lounge? Or, or, or do we come from Bulwer Road Baptist because they planted this church? Well, the truth is we come from all those places and so much more, but we as a church as a church family, come from a much deeper and more profound place. We come from God. The book of Acts is the story of where the church comes from. This church and every church that follows Jesus and presents the gospel of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts is the story of where we and every other church comes from. And over a bunch of weeks now, we're gonna be looking at the book of Acts. Right in the beginning, it says this. Acts chapter one, verse one, it starts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. I want us to pause on that scripture for a moment and and remember, so Acts is written by a guy called Luke. He was a doctor and he was a a follower of Jesus and he spent a lot of the book of Acts traveling with the apostle Paul. That's what he did during the book of Acts. 
but he wanted to, to give a really good account of what Jesus' life was all about and then what the church did as a result of Jesus' life. And so he wrote these two books, and, and originally they were, two, they were one book in two parts. The first was the Gospel of Luke, which is that in my former book, Theophilus. So he's writing to this young man. He said, oh, and, but you notice how he phrases it. He doesn't phrase what Jesus did. He doesn't say that. He says it like this. He says, in my former book, I wrote about everything that Jesus began to say and do. That is really important. The idea of began, not did, and say and do, not just say. The implication is really, really clear that Jesus hasn't stopped doing what he began. Theophilus, you need to understand, now that Jesus is gone, now that he's gone to heaven, what he came to say and do hasn't stopped. It's only really just begun. See, some people get confused because Jesus said when he was on the cross, it is finished. And so people then think, well, that means Jesus is finished doing what he came to do. No, no. Only the part about salvation, the, 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 the achieving of salvation for all mankind for all time was finished. He'd done that part. And now he was going on to do so much more. And the book of Acts is the story of what Jesus carried on doing. And he, he tells them, because of this, because of what Jesus began to do, there are consequences. There's, there's something about where he started it and the way he started it and what he said to us right there in the beginning that we need to carry with us. Remember, I carry every place I've ever been in me. And we all do. And so he, he says in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. He's talking to the apostles. He says, wait. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's saying, you come from God. You come from me. And what reason do you come from me? So that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. You see, the truth is that we call the book of Acts, the book of Acts, its old traditional title used to be the Acts of the Apostles. But I don't like that title. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it, and it's, I'm a, I don't like it. You know, because you know what it really should be? It really should be the Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. That's what it really should be, because because the, the number one name that comes up most often in the book of Acts isn't the apostles, it's Jesus. His name comes up more than any other name. And so we're going to study this book that teaches us what Jesus carried on doing through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the early church. And so that's what we're studying. It's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit carried on doing. And I really hope that you spend more time than just listening to the sermon on a Sunday as you grapple with the book of Acts. 
I want to invite you, if you're a, if you're a YouTube person, to go onto YouTube and to look up the, um, uh, oh man, the Bible Project. And they, they give amazing overviews of scripture with amazing drawings, I love them. And they've got four or five videos on acts. I'd love for you to read it yourself. I'd love for you to get involved in the book of Acts with, the, with your life group. And so spend time looking at it and, and adventuring it through it with us. But as you do that, I, I want you to look out for a few things. Now, this series is quite long and it's gonna be quite different, okay? Uh, I'm trying to preach a sermon about 29 chapters in the, the Bible. And the last chapter is long. The other preachers are gonna preach on one whole chapter at a time, which is an amazing challenge. So, so please spend time with a book of Acts on your own. It's beautiful and, and it'll teach us where we come from. And as you do that, won't you look out for some really big themes? There's some really big ideas that flow right through the book of Acts that I want you to keep looking for as you, as you spend time discovering where you come from. The first thing that theme that you'll see is that there's, there's these unexpected stories about, firstly, who God is and, and where he now lives. So, so they don't change any fundamentals about God. But there's some amazing and unexpected things about God that people never realized before. They're not just only, only about God's character, but about where God lives. This book changes everything. And it begins right there in that first chapter and second chapter, when, especially in the second chapter when we read about, about Jesus coming down at Pentecost. So we know that Jesus tells his disciples to go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And, and, and when the Holy Spirit comes, then they must be ready to go out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so they're waiting in this room, and then something amazing happens. Something unexpected happens. In chapter two, you go and read it, it's in the beginning of the chapter. They're sitting there and they're praying and then there's the sound of a wind, a big wind. Now, imagine how weird it is to have this massive sound of wind but no actual wind. You know, they would have looked out the windows and not seen the trees doing that. And then these tongues of flame come on their heads and, and they don't get burnt. And then they start talking multiple languages that they couldn't speak before. <laughs> now, is that random? Is that just God showing off? Is that God just freaking people out? Or is God trying to say something very basic and fundamental about where we come from, where he comes from, and where he's going to live now? Well, I've been telling you, it's God saying something very fundamental. You see, up until that time, if you'd asked any, any of those people, where does God live? They would have said, well, in this temple. This temple here in Jerusalem. And he had. And he'd shown people, if, 
it, it, it goes way back. It goes back to, to when the, the children of Israel were wandering through the desert. If you know that story, they were guarded by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. And, and whenever the fire moved or the pillar moved, they would move because God was telling them where to go. And then when, when they built the tabernacle, God's presence came into that tabernacle with that fire. And then, later on, when Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, the Shekinah glory came into that temple, fire and wind. And so people knew that's where God lives. God is moving in this story. He's coming down on the apostles because he's saying, my presence, my fundamental core presence is not in that temple anymore. It is now in the lives of individual people. And you will see as you read through the story that that becomes a power struggle. Because the guys that, that were in charge of the temple obviously weren't happy with that. They obviously didn't think that was right. But yet God proves it over and over again that he now lives inside individual people. And he's moved house. This was so unexpected that for some people it was a deal breaker. They just, uh, uh, we can't. And these other people were now so excited. Not only that, but God was going to live in not just individual people, but unexpected individual people. That's why they talked all those languages. Because God was saying it's no longer just for a few. It's for everybody. And so God, in the book of Acts, watch for it, keeps coming up with unexpected stories and unexpected places where God is. Secondly, watch for those unexpected people that God keeps adding. He starts with those languages. If you go and read that story, it was Jewish people from all over the world who spoke different languages. They heard God speak in their language. See, that was important because they used to come every year to the temple to connect with God. Every year. Now they don't have to do that anymore. But it goes even deeper than that because if you read a little further on, you know, Peter and John, they're going to the temple to pray and they meet this guy who's lame and he's begging. And the reason he's lame and he's begging and he's outside the temple, he's not inside, his lame people weren't allowed in the temple. And so he's outside and they pray for him and he gets healed. Now he's not lame anymore. God is in him. He's not excluded. So it's not just people of different languages, it's people that formerly were excluded because of things like what we call disabilities. But it goes further. Not long after that, Samaritans start coming to Jesus. I can't begin to tell you how not cool that would have been for Jewish people. Samaritans were the enemy. They were, they were, they were, they were despised. But God adds them. It's not just kind of nationalities he adds. He then starts adding like murderers, mass murderers. I know we read the story of Saul becoming Paul and all, that's cool, but actually the early church freaked out a little bit when that happened because Saul had been this guy who, who 
well, who murdered Christians, who went and took them prisoner and took them back to Jerusalem and, and handed them over to the authorities. And some of those people got killed because they were followers of Jesus. And when you read that story, you'll see the first people that God talks to about this, they're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we are out. We know what that guy did. God says, he's my chosen vessel. He's my chosen vessel. Then he adds, and it gets harder and harder, he adds Romans, a Roman centurion. And understand, Peter, that first apostle, did not want to go there. He, to go into that Roman centurion's house, he would have had to break a list of laws that he'd kept his whole life. It's so hard for him that God has to send him the same dream twice. To say to him, I'm serious about this, Peter, you can go into that house, you're okay. In fact, not you're okay, you have to go into that house, Peter. And the truth is that the rest of the church freaked out a little bit. There was a bit of an argument that happened afterwards because he did that. But God is determined to show the early church that this is about every kind of person. There's that amazing story of Philip being told to go down to the road to Gaza and ends up walking next to the chariot of an Ethiopian eunuch. Also, somebody who'd come to worship God but wasn't allowed in the temple because he was a eunuch. If you don't know what that is, ask your mom and dad to explain. Um, and, and he was an African. He was a foreigner. And God was just showing them that when you begin to do everything I taught and did, unexpected people are going to turn up. That as the savior of the world, I want every kind of person imaginable to be in my family. People that you think they, there's no way. God keeps going, way, way. In fact, it's all over the book of Acts. Have fun looking for that one. Here's another beautiful thing that we see in the book of Acts and the theme you should watch for, is that this early church, because of where it comes from, thrives in unexpected places. It thrives in unexpected places. The first really big church after Jerusalem is in a place called Antioch, and it's the first international church. Always kind of laugh to myself quietly when some church calls itself international. I think that they think it's a cool marketing thing. Every church is international. In fact, it's not just international, it's cosmic. <laughs> we shouldn't have to put international, because that's what we are. But here's this early church in Antioch that becomes this church where all kinds of people are involved, and it's amazing. But places with amazing names like Pamphylia and Cappadocia. But it's not just cities. This gospel, the story of Jesus' church thrives in prisons. I've spent a lot of time in prison in the book of Acts, just so you know. And guess what? Every time they end up in prison, it turns out for the good of the gospel, not for the bad. In fact, the, the end of the book of Acts ends up with Paul in prison. Now, now Paul, guys, he traveled everywhere, okay? That was his mission in the world. I'm taking this gospel to the Gentiles and he's, got, and he's here and he's there and he's there and he's there. And eventually he ends up in prison in Rome. And a whole lot of people go, oh no, 
that's the end of the journey. <laughs> it's not. You see, because God even uses that. Because Paul is a type A personality. You go and read any of his books. If you're a psychologist, type A. He's like, there's one thing and I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it well. But because he ends up in prison, he can't travel. And so now he has to start writing things down. And so, so it, it's not just his word of mouth that comes to churches. We now have those things that he wrote to those early churches. And so the gospel is spread even further. It ends up in Greece, on Mars Hill, where all the Lani's got together to debate. You see, that's the beautiful thing about this thing. Because we come from God, we end up under trees, and in cathedrals, and in lounges, and in garages, and in prisons, and in closed countries, and in open countries, and the gospel thrives everywhere. So watch out for that theme. God adds unexpected stories about himself. He adds unexpected people. This, this thing thrives in unexpected places. And the people start doing unexpected things. The early church did some really strange things to spread the gospel. Not weird things, strange things. In, in fact, incredibly ordinary things. But they had this weird result of just spreading the gospel everywhere. They did things like eating. Imagine that. Something we all do three times a day if we're good, sometimes some of us more. We shouldn't. But what was it about the eating? It was still meals. But all of a sudden, the eating wasn't just so that we can have food. Their meals became about Jesus. Their meals changed to sharing more than they used to, and then every time making this a bit about Jesus. And the, the thing spreads because of the way people eat together. They sang. And again, that's something humans do. We sing. Well, some of us better than others, but we sing. But all of a sudden, the singing was different. Why? Because of where they came from. Because of who they were singing about. And because of why they were singing. And because the Holy Spirit was with them. They shared things. This was unusual. They shared things. They didn't buy into the culture of Rome that said you must get as rich as you can as quickly as you can. They said, no, no, no. The stuff that God has given us, it belongs to not just us, it belongs to him. And they shared it. They prayed together. Prayer is often seen as an individual thing, and it should be an individual thing, but, but collectively they prayed together. They learnt. Every single one of them. Look, these are things that human beings do all the time. But listen to what's hap what happens when they do it. In Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, learning, to fellowship, being together, to the breaking of bread, eating, and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Doing these incredibly ordinary, everyday things And God adds. God begins to say, no, 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 this is not ordinary, this is special. Why? Because of where they came from. They'd stopped doing it because they came from Cappadocia or Rome or anywhere else. They'd started doing it because they come from Jesus Christ. Church family, that's where we come from. We come from exactly the same place that that early church came from. We don't come from across the road. Well, we do. (laughs) But in our heart and in our roots, we come from God. We come from Jesus. And the book of Luke says all the things that Jesus began to say and do. And the book of the Acts of Jesus and, and the apostles and the Holy Spirit and the early church This is a story of how God's kingdom came on earth as it is in heaven through Jesus and his spirit and his church. And because of where we come from, it happened because people did things like sharing the good news in word and in deed. It it happened because they allowed themselves to be transformed as a community where everyone was equal. And because they trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't want to pretend that this is easy. These guys got incredible pushback. They got, um, they got pushback again and again and again. Not because they were doing weird things, but because they were doing very ordinary things in the name of Jesus. And so they ended up struggling, but they ended up victorious. There is an unbroken line from those simple people sitting in that room on that day to you sitting in this room this morning. And because there's an unbroken line, I want to invite you as I end my sermon to turn with me to Acts chapter 29. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 29. The worship team, you guys can come up. There is no Acts 29, is there? There is no Acts 29. No, that's not a mistake, and I'll tell you why. Because Acts chapter 29 is sitting right here in this building today. That's where Acts chapter 29 is. You see, Acts chapter 29 has been going on forever and ever and ever, and will go on until Jesus returns. And so we are writing Acts chapter 29. We are God's people. And so when I tell you to look at Acts 29, look in your bulletin. Look in your brochure. Look at the person sitting next to you. Look at your life group. Look what you do at work today and tomorrow and the next day because that's Acts 29. And when we do Acts 29, family, when we live it out, I want us to tell the right story. Some churches don't last forever. Some churches go away. Is it because... 
Jesus is unfaithful? No. It's because sometimes we stop remembering where we came from. That we don't come from a suburb or from a family or from a group of people. We come from Jesus. And everything we say and do must be about what Jesus began and where Jesus is going. Oh, that we would look like Acts 29. That we would be in unexpected places, doing unexpected things, adding unexpected people, and God doing unexpected things through us. You know what's great? We can do two of them already. We've done one. We're all here together listening to the gospel. And now we can sing songs. So there's that list. Don't eat. Go home to eat, okay? But when you go home, do it in the name of Jesus. Let's worship and sing and be Acts 29 this morning. Thanks.